You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, Ready, sisters? Welcome back. Hey, sisters. Hi, sisters. It's Maddie. And Scout. And welcome to OKSIS, the podcast where sisters congregate and chat about all of their current fixations. Yeah, I love that. And we are sisters IRL. IRL. I know. I've been overusing that a little bit too much. Yeah. You say it every time. I'm going to second that. You say it too. It's not just me. I'm going to second that, that I say it all the time. Oh, but you say it all the time. Yeah. God. Okay, so this weekend we went to the Guadalupe Valley in Mexico. It's the Guadalupe. Oh, is it? Is it? I don't know. I think it's the Guadalupe Valley. Nope. The Guadalupe Valley. Anyways, we drank wine. Well, we started our day with a skinny margarita. Let's just say that before we even had any food in our stomach. We, no, we had a shot of tequila for breakfast. We did have a shot of tequila for breakfast with no chaser. I was like crawling up and down my skin. But it was good tequila, so it wasn't that. It wasn't, like, that intense, uh, but it was yeah. still, like, whoo, hello, 9.30 a.m. Hello, Mexico. Yeah, we went the to The Jews ce- have arrived. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we went to celebrate our dad's birthday. We had so much fun. Yes, I agree. Um, what was your favorite part of the Guadalupe Valley? Now I'm saying Guadalupe. <laughs> I just loved how remote it was and surprising. Like, every winery we went to and every space like you would just never know something so beautiful was in this kind of rural and remote area yeah it was beautiful and to get around you had to like off-road there weren't like real roads getting to any of the wineries you had to go on like this really bumpy dirt road which was hilarious all the places we went to were fantastical it was so pretty like just it was a dream it was a dream yeah really underrated if anyone wants to just it's like not hop underrated over the it is so popular now everyone hop over the border and, and head out yeah head it's out like there. an hour and a half drive from the border yeah it's not bad at all it's totally doable like go down there for lunch you know well if you live in san diego it's easier but yeah totally 
I drink so much. Yes. I tried. I tried to keep up with you. Yeah. Usually you can't. Usually I can't, but th- but Saturday I was doing pretty well, I must admit. Yeah, you're, you're a little wink- weakling. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, next topic. We went to Shape House. Oh, my God. Did we ever? Did we ever? Schwitz oh our God. fucking guts out. That's that what was happened. It, okay, so during, like, we're in this heating pod with this, like, blanket that's so hot. And it felt really good at first. It felt like a jacuzzi at first. It felt so relaxing. Like, you were in the sauna. And we were watching Netflix. I was watching Hulu. I was watching Friends. I was watching Pen15. It was awesome. And then, like, 75% of the way, and I was like, holy Holy shit. shit. Yeah, and they had warned us about that. They said the last 10 minutes are going to be rough. Yeah, they were rough, man. They were were rough. I was going to quit. I was going to be like, get me out of here. No, I was committed. And she said, "You you really should not leave any earlier 50 minutes because your metabolic rate or something yeah something was up with it but yeah it it makes you i think you lose like 600 calories which is wild wild by Um, just laying there i mean it's like my perfect scenario yeah i felt so good after yeah you're you just your body is like tingling and vibrating on different levels you feel like a sense of euphoria yeah so i was like so zen when i got out of that pod i just like getting out and then Getting in another change of clothes and then walking to my car. Like, I, I wish there was some... Because you can't really... Sh- they said not to shower right after. Yeah, they said, like, wait two hours. Yeah, you just want to so really sweat it all out and let everything come out. My shirt was dry. Yeah, so that's my only issue was that I didn't like that we had to... Wait. Well, it was perfect for me because I drove drove home to San Diego. I understand, Diego. but what I'm saying is I wish we could just, like, shower right after and I get... I mean, I'm know. sure you could and you would still reap the benefits. But regardless, the, the facilities are beautiful. Dude, you I don't do it once a week. You easy. don't see You don't see any schwitz anywhere. It's not... It's very... Clean. Clean. Um, the staff was incredible. They, t- they, they check on you every couple of minutes. They bring you water. Um, I highly recommend this. If I, I, if I lived in LA, I would be doing it once a week. It was, I'm sure there are sweat houses in San Diego. It's just not trendy yet. Um, they've oh definitely, God. they've definitely, I mean, hello, the you lay there, there, you watch Netflix, you sweat and you burn 600 calories. Like what, what more do you want for be life? Better. I know. So shout out to shape house. Everyone should go check them out. They have a couple locations in L.A., but and if you're you looking do, to schwitz it out. Yeah, and if you do, DM us let us know what your experience was like. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Definitely. Um, third topic I would like to talk about, Queer Eye is back. Queer Eye is back. In full force and better than ever. Better that, than that ever. That JBN just gets me every fucking time. Queer Eye is so good. And oh. I never watched the original show, and now I kind of want to go back and watch the I original. I know. I'm too hooked on this current Fab Five. Yeah. Tan is just so fucking cute. They're all so cute. They're all so cute. They're, oh, gosh. I just, I just still can't believe the disparity in their responsibilities. The fact that Bobby has to renovate an entire home in a day. Like, I just, it's so insane. He's, like, working nonstop. I, I mean. I hope he gets paid more. I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. Anthony literally just chops up an avocado, and that's <laughs> it. That chops is, up an avo. That's literally all he does. I mean, people have made fun of him a lot for, like, literally doing nothing on the show. Yeah. I mean, they're just TV personalities. Yeah. Um, it's like the group. You know, like, they're better together. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should go watch Benny Drama. He does uh, this Oh, he's so good. Anthony. So he good. He kind of even looks like Anthony, too. You should just watch all of Benny Drama's uh, shit, but... This particular one, he got he got a little famous from it, and he does such a spot such a good on. job. He's like, he's like, 
wait, now I can't. Oh, are you going to try to do it? it? It's like, this arugula. <laughs> I'm Anthony. I don't know. I'm, I can't do it. Everyone just go watch. He's nice so try, good. Mads. Nice He's try. He's so good. A little bit of prosciutto. <laughs> okay. Oh, my <laughs> God. Let's just, like, not. Let's just not. Oh, goodness. Should we do the word of the week? Yeah. Okay, this one's a good one. You're going to like it. Okay. The word of the week is tete a tete. And guess what it means? Tit for tat. No. Oh. It's tete a tete. Oh. Head of the head. A private conversation between two people. Oh. So I Is kinda, it French? I think so. God damn um, it. We I always like, do French words. I like to think... We've done some Swedish words. I like to think that our podcasts are a form of tete a tete that everybody just gets to listen in on. I completely agree. Right? It's like a private conversation like us between talk- us and the guests, but then like everybody gets to listen. I know. Which is wild. I know. They're in our thoughts. They're in our heads. No, we're in their heads. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Other way around. Other way around. Um, yes. That's an incredible one. I like that. I'm going to start. I thought you would like it. I'm going to start imploring that into my... Uh, your daily use. I want to start integrating that into my daily life. Well, we should just be integrating all of these words into our daily oh, use, but we're kind of it. falling short on that situation. Um, also, something that I just remembered from Monday's episode with Donnie, mm-hmm. Privilege sent us the, cute the cutest, test. the cutest sweatpants suit, yeah. which I wore it oh, as everyone night. knows. I have been in the market for one. And they hooked us up. They are the sweetest girls. Everyone should go listen to our episode on uh, Priv Talks. We essentially told them they need to give us all of their clothes. Oh, my God. And I wore it all last night. It is so soft. So they gave soft. me a black one and Matt's a gray one, which is so fitting. And I got the gold um, watch. watch. And I you got, got silver. silver Yay. Because that's our So now we can colors. be twins. I mean, are we not already at this point? Yeah, we're, we've pretty much morphed into the same human being at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So let's go on to our guest. Yeah. Jamie oh, Lee. Jamie Lee. Yeah, can we take a moment of silence real quick? The hilarious. The beautiful. The astonishing. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I mean, she came in with serums all over her face. Her face was glowing. Her face was a glowy skin. Yep. A glowy sheen. A glowy sheen. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, I like oh that. Oh, my God, guys. I mean, we talked... I think this was a really interesting episode because it was more so, you know, the back-end workings mm-hmm. of being a comedian, being a successful one, um, New York versus the L.A. comedy scene, and just how she has grown within her success. And she's had a really long, you know, run at this, and um, she's very seasoned as a comic, mm-hmm. and... Um, I think the conversation was fascinating. Yeah, you guys are going to love it. You guys are going to love it. Okay, sisters. Enjoy. Enjoy. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. 
Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Jamie Lee is a stand-up comedian and actress whom Elle magazine recently named one of the top comedians to watch in 2017. Jamie most recently starred as the female lead in the second season of the hit HBO series Crashing opposite Pete Holmes. In addition to being one of the core cast members of MTV's hit show Girl Code, Lee has appeared on Conan, The Late Late Show with James Corden, and Chelsea Lately. In December 2016, Lee released her debut book, Ridiculous, which quickly rose to number one on Bustle.com. 
Wedding.com's list, number one list of best wedding books. Jamie has set up a half-hour comedy at ABC Signature with Jame Griffiths, attached to direct and executive produce, as well as setting up her feature writing debut. Without further ado, Jamie Lee. Hey, guys. Oh, my God. Could Hello. that intro have been any more packed? Wow. wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was, like, all the things. All of the things. You are third row. We have to list all of the things. You are amazing, girl. Thanks, guys. That's really nice. We're so excited to have you oh, on. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Oh this is gosh. so fun. Okay. Current round or mm. round of current fixations. Yes, I will start. Yes. So um, my iPad has been non-existent in my life because the pen broke, like the pen to write. Oh. And I finally... The Apple Pencil. The Apple Pencil. Thank you. I finally just bought a new Apple Pencil today because I use it for my to-do list. So I have like different colors for different things uh-huh. and I like cross I like cross everything off and then it, whatever I don't get into the first day I add to the next day and I have like this long running list of stuff and it's keeps me so organized and on top of things and I haven't had it for like two months and so today was just like a homecoming for me uh, this is a very first world problem but I'm here for it thank you no that's I, great well, for sure but it but it helps me a it's lot the my little thing right yeah so no is. no writing no pencil paper no no, I journal. My journal is in a moleskin that I do with a pen and a paper. Got but it. But my work to-do list is on the iPad. Oh, I see. It's very distinguished. It feels a bit more modern. Feels a bit more digital. Yeah, you got an iPad and I have not seen you whip it out once. Nope. Not once. Yeah, I have one and I feel like I haven't used it in a really long time. Like, I yeah. remember getting it and being like, I'm going to watch... Netflix on this and then you just end up watching on TV yeah <laughs> and I kind of was like wait what's the point of an iPad but I guess I guess I need to like bring it back out yeah I need to st- I need to start start up again with I it it is s- useful tool I'm a huge yeah. fan of the iPad I need to start using it when I travel more because I still still bring my laptop so I'm like yeah. oh I don't need the but iPad. the problem is is that like the iP- I mean unless you get the keyboard that attaches to it right, it right, is right. hard for an iPad to completely replace a laptop right yes. unless this you're doing true. like you're on vacation you're doing like very limited activity yeah I feel like the keyboard is good for like emailing but like if I ever need to work on a script or something I just need a really yeah. great keyboard I had a keyboard for my iPad for a while and it would like it was just like a little sticky mm. that sounds gross it wasn't <laughs> gross sticky it was like the keys stuck right right, right, it, right. on it. their own because Bad they deal. wanted to stick great <laughs> there wasn't like a substance on the keyboard that would make it that good, way good just want to clarify just yeah. want to clarify love it um yeah but maybe i need to revisit my old ipad i did play with it um on an airplane with my husband we got really into um the digital version of ticket to ride have you What's ever that? played that game? No. It's a great game. I'm not really into like digital games. Like I never yeah. play like games on my phone or anything. Yeah, same. But Ticket to Ride is a board game, but there's a digital version of it. And awesome. it's so fun. Um, and you can do something called pass and play. So like you can literally like do your turn in secret and then like pass it off to the person you're playing with and they can like do their little turn in oh secret and then gosh. you just like keep passing it back and forth and it's really fun. It's like you're playing the board game. Okay, this seems like something I'd be Yeah, Ticket to Ride, into. big shout out. Okay, fabulous. Great game. Um, all right, my current fixation. Have you guys heard of the rose oil <gasps> from Way? No. No. Okay, so Way is Jen Atkins hair product line oh that i didn't realize that was how you pronounce it yeah i know i'm always like when she like discovered that brand name was she like everyone's gonna know how to say this she did this one hashtag saying all the way up 
so you know it's way. Uh, you know what I mean? Like all the way up. That's the a song. good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, so there's a rose oil. So I've been using their mm. her shampoo and conditioner. The sm- it's more so just the smell. Sure, it is of course. out of control. This smell. Um, I use the wave spray when I get out of the shower, but I've heard that her rose oil, because it's not only just an oil for your hair, it's a body oil. Oh my which God. I am all about oiling up my body. Love a good multi-use oil. Exactly. Mm. So I get out of the shower. I lather it up all over. Oh, scout is giving me a scowl. Oh, why would anyone want to put that much oil all over their body? Oh my God. Oh. You ever put coconut oil all over your body? No. Why <gasps> would you do that? Oh, I... I, I use like, coconut oil for lube and that's it. Oh, yeah. I feel like I lube up my entire body every day. Yeah. I'm just like yeah. a big greasy I can't. creature. I, yeah. That just sounds terrible to me. Wow. I, I didn't know you had this. I like, have a very strong reaction much? to your oil. Oh, my God. It's it's fabulous. It's not like you don't feel like you're slipping It absorbs pretty like, quickly. Most yeah. of the oils I use, I feel like sink in. Faster than I would expect. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. so you're not like walking around, no, like, shining. No, no, definitely not. And I will say, I have the driest. It's so annoying. I have the driest skin on my, like the fronts of my cat. What is that? My shin. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Couldn't think of the body part. <laughs> my shins are very dry, especially down by my ankles. Mm-hmm. And I have this like energizing, um, ar- not argon. What is it? Uh, arnica. Ar- Arnica oil. Oh, okay. I bought it at Whole Foods. I don't know. Yeah. I bought it because of like I had like an inflammation on my face that I wanted to go down, and Arnica is really great for that. Mm. But anyways, I just started using it all the time for everything, and I'm noticing that putting oil on my legs it keeps my legs from being dry way more than body lotion. Interesting. Like way more. Like it's way more powerful. I think you would be surprised at how dehydrated your body is. No, when I have you very bl- dry skin. My hands crack and bleed. Yes. You so for that. Bleed. I don't know. Moisturizer? No. Ac- Girl. Like not Accutane. What am I trying to Cetaphil. say? Cetaphil. <laughs> no. What's the one they give you when you're on Accutane? It starts Oof. with the... It's that I have no idea. C- Aquaphor. Aquaphor. No. Oh, oh, oh. There, yes. I just use whatever moisturizer I find. No. Scout, you need to invest in some like hyge, ultra hydrating oil. Okay, okay. Oil also smells so good. So good. All of the, I feel like oil smells, again, it sticks to your skin longer than a body, scented body lotion. Okay. It goes the distance, it seeps in. Yeah. Okay. It's part of you. Right. So I'll add it to the fucking list. Yeah. There's, and they're cheap. A lot of them are cheap. Yeah. I don't know what weighs price point. I I mean, mean, okay. Like, but. This this was like six, I got the small one, it was $16. It's not terrible. That's terrible. But that's on the lower end. I was expecting more than yeah that. i mean yeah. if you just get a big jar of coconut oil at at whole foods and use that yeah that's okay. what i've been that's what i used to use but then i was like i'm a sucker for branding so like i have to get this yeah i hear you i hear so. you interesting yeah also like side note real quick before we go to your current fixation my left boob is like killing me right now so oh. if you see me like adjusting myself Ow. it really hurts like the underneath no, or like, the whole boob the whole boob is hurting Ow. me is it maybe period? i'm getting my period it's like hurting i have never had boob pain i oh. haven't either well let I, me tell I don't you understand this is when quite people uncomfortable say, you also have like giant boobs so oh. sorry I can't if i'm relate. adjusting myself constantly oh. just you letting you, you know to are you wearing a bra Yes, I'm wearing a bra. Scout. I know. I know. It's a big deal. We usually never wear bras. Yeah, but this t-shirt, you have to wear a bra. Like, yeah. it does not work without a bra. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel you. I okay. Feel your okay. turn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys. Well, yeah. Um, I So, I actually, I'm going to jump on uh, the oil fixation train. Great. 
because I am so, I mean, I just continue to be obsessed with this product. Bio oil, um, is my, it's my everything. Um, it is is the brand. Yes. Okay. It's called bio oil. It's B I O hyphen O I L. And it feels weird to spell oil. O I L. That's a weird (laughs) one to break down. Yikes. Um, so anyways, yeah. Bio oil, you can buy it. Uh, they sell it at like beauty supply stores, but they also sell it in like the wound care section of the drugstore. Oh, Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And it come it, it I don't know I think the oil is sort of like an orange color. Um it's like a salmony pinky orange. And um it's used for acne scarring. Um it like reverses your scarring. So it has kind of like a Mederma quality to it. Oh, I need it. That. Um but also it's really hydrating and I add it to my moisturizers, my serums. Oh, I shit. use it twice a day. I'm obsessed. And is this it the is, one you're using on your shins? Um I haven't used it on my shins yet. That's a different oil. <laughs> okay. But bio oil, I started using on my face about a year ago, and it has I. So when I was in middle school and high school, I used to break out on the right side of my face a lot, probably because like that was like the side I slept on, and your phone makes the grease from your sure. phone transfers to your face. Yeah. So, anyways, I started. I just really wanted to like retexturize the right side of my face. Like I was like, I gotta fix it, whether it's like with lasers or like whatever. I'm right. on a mission to make it like match the rest of my face um and not a lot I mean I guess other people didn't really notice but like I noticed it to such an extreme degree and then I started using bio oil and like within it says that it takes it actually says on the bottle it takes three months to start working um and I will say around the like two to three month mark, I was like, huh, it's changing the texture of my face. And so now I'm like, let's just keep going. I'm just going to use it forever. Okay. So look at this side of my face. You see see. all that? Will it help that? What do you mean? Kind of. It's quite apparent. No, hold on. You're not in the light. Okay. Okay. See those dots. Is it going to help that? I don't. Are those scars though? Those that That, some of those look new. They, they, they were acne that just turned into this color. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it will definitely help. Okay, I'm yeah, getting Yeah, I am telling okay, you, okay. this is a catch-all. And okay. apparently Khloe Kardashian endorsed it on some Oh, okay, we're, we're, well, sold. we're sold. Okay. Okay. We're sold. Okay. We're sold. Okay, okay. I just, you know, it was one of those things, like, it's also not expensive at all. Yeah. But it does work. I, it's so weird when something is over the, wait, over the counter is when you can buy it. Yes. On your own. Right? On your I own. I always right. get because because the transaction when you go to a pharmacist, <laughs> they give it to you counter. over the, the counter. counter. So that's but a really it's not actually. So I'm over the always counter. confused by it. Yeah. So okay. over the counter is like you could buy it at the drugstore. It's already over the counter. No one passed it to you over the barrier exactly. of the pharmacist. Okay. So um oh yeah so uh bio yeah but anything that's over the counter I'm always like a little surprised when it actually does its job. I'm like I it has to be agree. prescription. To or, actually work, or it has right? to be from Sephora and a hundred dollars. Yes, for act- for it to actually yes. work. That's one my of mindset. the two. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm like, it's cheap and it's very accessible. That's shocking. Wow. But okay, I'm, I'm telling you, the shit is next level. Okay, we need to get oh on my that. God, we need to get on I am it. just struggling. I mean, yeah. it's been a lot better since I've been using my Dr. Dennis Gross acne eliminating pads. This is true. But oh. I still need a little more action going on. I well, think you'll like it. I think, well, you've now sort of eliminated the acne. You need to I was going to say your out. skin looks very clear to me. Yeah. yeah. The acne has subsided. Now, now you need something the for the scarring. Yeah. 
I would I would double down with yeah. the bio oil. Okay, yeah. got it. Good, good to know. It okay. also won't break you out. Okay, good. That's mm-hmm. the shocking thing. I'm always like putting oils in my face. I'm like, I can't believe. I don't think it's gonna break you out. I can't. Okay. I'm not a doctor, but I would be surprised. Okay, okay. I I'm gonna order this anything. on Amazon tonight. Yeah. Perf. I pl- let me know. Oh, I will. Let me know what happens. I'll, because I'll hit I'm you up very in three months. In this. Okay, great. Three yeah. months. Great. Perfect. Done. Okay. We need, we need to, to get into you. Get into oh you. Oh my god. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Okay. Uh, from the <laughs> very <laughs> beginning. Okay. How did you first get into comedy? And when were you like, hey, I think I'm pretty funny? Who? Um, I got into comedy after I graduated college. Well, I guess technically I got into it when I was in college because um, I was always trying to find ways to like incorporate comedy into like my extracurriculars and stuff. Like I was part of this campus uh, TV station. They had a, an entertainment news show that I was involved in. And I definitely did like a funny segment on that. But I never thought like, oh, I'll just be a comedian someday because I grew up in Texas and like. I think it's different if you maybe grow up in like L.A. or New York or maybe Chicago where there's like a really prominent art scene. Um, So you can kind of like look around and be like, oh, yeah, like people are doing the thing I want to do. I was like, oh, I don't know anyone who pursues comedy. Like I had seen like HBO stand up specials and stuff, but there was never a person that I could point to to be like, hey, you, I want your career. How do I get it? It just seemed like not a thing and then when I moved to New York I was actually working at Comedy Central in their publicity department and I started watching a bunch of stand-up for my job because I had to familiarize myself with all of these like sort of up-and-coming comedians um, because I was doing the PR for like live at Gotham and um, the half hours and that kind of thing and so that was when it became more real because I was like oh these comedians are like my age and live in the same city I'm in so I guess it is a tangible profession. Not an easy one, but at least it's tangible. So then I started doing it. Then I started doing open mics and stuff. I have so much high regard for comedians. I think it is one of the hardest oh, for sure. jobs. So I'm a huge comedy stan. I would never be a stand-up comic, but I love going to the improv. I love going to the comedy store. It's one of my favorite things to oh, do on the weekends. Um and you guys just have such a thick skin. The way you guys bounce back from rejection, but also from pleasure, it's like this instant gratification or instant rejection, and you know the feedback right then and there. And there's no other art form that's like that. You can't so hide as a comedian. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's interesting to describe comedians as having thick skin because I sometimes I'm like, oh, we have the thinnest skin. But you're right. right. Yeah. We do have I guess I do have pretty thick skin. Like I yeah, I mean, like I feel like when I hear quote unquote bad news, I do kind of rebound quickly from it. Well, I don't especially feel, on stage, you have to rebound so quickly. I do think it trains. That's a really great point. I do think it trains you to kind of like you take the blow and you move on. Right. Like you don't you have to, you don't wallow. You don't sort of like marinate in your feelings. You kind of like just recognize it and move yeah, on. I, yeah. And I do love when comedians recognize it. Cause they're just like, they Oh turn, shit. Then okay. They, I like it when like, they take an, like a, a flop and they turn it around and make it a positive. Yeah. Just on the fly. Yeah. That, yeah. When, when a comedian does that, I'm like bow down. Right. Just to like think on the spot. That's also sure. the most fun thing about doing comedy is like the stuff that happens in the moment because it, it does get kind of exhausting, like telling the same 
jokes over and over again. Like right now I'm in this place where I just did stand up on two dope Queens on HBO <gasps> and Oh my God, you did. I did. Jerry. And it was, Oh, it was so fun. Um, but I am so sick of those eight minutes now because I ran right. that set so many times leading up to the taping. So now I'm in this place of like, if I even start to do one of the jokes from that set, I'm just like, Oh, like I barf. Can't. I'm such a fraud. Like how, gross. How, how often does one do a set? Like what's the or kind how, of how, how are you? When do you know to start? new jokes or incorporate new material honestly it's just this feeling of like i am so tired of saying this stuff and it's a combination i'm tired of saying this stuff so i want to feel less bored so the only way i'm going to feel less bored is if i make the time and put in the effort to write new jokes um so that's a gift you can give yourself carving out that time when at least with my schedule i'm trying to like pursue a couple of different things at a time um, so sometimes it's hard for me to like just set aside time to work on stand up. It's kind of like always um, it's very easy to put stand up off. Mm. And if you get on stage, you can always fall back on your old material. And it's like the audience might not know the difference, but like, you know it. And then you start mm. to feel gross. That's the place I'm in right now where I'm a little bit like, man, do I need to write new stuff? It's yeah. time. What's, Interesting. What's your creative process look like when you create content? What, what, how do you, do you get into a special space? Do you lock yourself in a room? Yeah. Does it come to you randomly? It definitely comes to me randomly. And then, uh, I think I have to be diligent about like, I'll put a note in my phone and then I'll sit down on a day. I'll try to dedicate like three hours. It usually ends up being like 45 minutes, um, where I'll sit down and like go through it and put it in a document and honestly just writing it down or typing it sort of commits it to memory enough for me to then try and pursue it on stage that night. Even if it's a little clunky or, you know, it's not word perfect. At least the idea is sort of cemented through actually typing it out. And like the connection of like seeing the words on a screen, they somehow like seep into your brain. And then it's kind of, it's kind of in you then it's a, it's like, then it's sort of becomes a part of you. Um, I also more recently started doing joke writing with my friend Allison Leiby, who's a really brilliant stand up, and she's also a writer on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And oh, we started um FaceTiming and so she'll do a joke, we'll work on it together, then I'll do a joke and we'll work on it together. So then we kind of that's like great. help each other out and hold each other accountable. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so, really helpful. <clears throat> you mentioned um writers rooms and or you know doing other projects. Sure, sure. So I kind of feel hesitant bringing this up but I but I want to talk about oh, it. Oh, please. So you're a comedian. You're yes. not a quote unquote female comedian. Uh-huh. You're a female writer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I got so annoyed. I remember when Amy Schumer was doing her press for Trainwreck, everyone would ask, like, isn't it a great time for women in comedy right now? And she was like, uh, fuck you. Like, it's so infuriating. Right. Um, but, you know, comedy, is about, uh, whether it's stand up or in writer, writer's room environments, it's male dominated historically and there can be some misogynistic undertones um i don't know if you read the book by nell scovel just the funny part no i want to and you i love her too i you love her so to. much okay i'm so gonna she, read it it's essentially a memoir where she talks about sneaking into the hollywood boys club so being in writer's rooms for you know you had such experience in in different variety of them what has been your observation in that realm what have you seen it shift in the last couple of years? Like what are, what's your take on that? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, you know, it depends on, it's, it is person to person. 
I would say that it's hard to really comment on like the culture of the entire writer's room. Um, there definitely are more men who are uh, whatever, quote unquote, woke. Um, <laughs> there are definitely more of those and there is more like awareness and also a little nervousness, but in a good way where people are like, is it OK that I said that, you know? Right. And I think that 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 just having your finger on that pulse and, um, you know, having a little more uh, self-awareness and like checking in with yourself. I feel like I'm sure some people feel like it's walking on eggshells, but I think it, it, it might even be walking on eggshells, but it's okay to walk on eggshells a little bit. If it means that, you know, that's maybe a step too far and then you scale it back and then it's like a comfortable place. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't hate people being a little more like, is it okay to yeah, say that? Cause cautious. like that's coming from, yeah, it's coming from a place of like, Oh, you're being more mindful of how your words affect other people yeah. in, in the room and how your experience might be different from someone else's. But that doesn't mean that you can like shut down what they're going through. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, that feels sort of like a long winded way of just saying um, I have seen misogyny in writers rooms. A lot of times it's it's it'll be like um interrupting is a big one yeah, for sure. or uh you know my voice just naturally isn't as loud or has as much bass as a man's voice mm -hmm. so sometimes I'll be talking and then someone else could swoop in right and they'll just they like just didn't hear me like mm. they're not trained to hear me so yeah. then oh my god that's oh nuts god. that's wild yeah and it, it is nuts because and it's such a I mean I've never been in a writer's room but from what I've seen on, you know, television and such. It's it seems like this very collaborative and people are pitching and everyone is just kind of talking at once. And you don't want to feel like you have to be censored, you know, and, and that could kind of get tricky with yeah. the gender dynamics, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that I would never want anyone to like censor themselves necessarily. And I don't think people really do i think there's kind mm -hmm. of an understanding that like we gotta like get a little dirty right right not right. dirty like blue humor sure. uh, but like we gotta get our hands a little dirty get some like dirt under our fingernails to like mm -hmm. really figure this thing out and like mold the clay into something good um so i think there's a lot of like brain fart ideas yeah that come out uh, that you're just like that's just part of it right. but usually yeah you you can kind of tell like there have been times where there was like I don't even remember what show I was working on but someone pitched something where it was like a guy was like or I think I pitched something like oh these two women are gonna like have an argument and then a guy in the room was like yeah like a cat fight and I was like no that's no two women can argue and it, there's not no like yeah. like that's not that's not a th you know and yeah, you're like, oh yeah. that's like such a classic male thing to say right. where it's like oh if two women are disputing well then claws come out you know and you're just totally. like no that's not true yeah and I think in that moment I corrected that I was like oh, no that's, good. that's yeah it's just two women arguing it's not you know and it's like and honestly, how did he take that he was fine okay he's cool. an older writer okay so <laughs> he, he I think he knew like oh yeah you would definitely know know this than I yeah. Would. yeah see I'm always and also like a really good guy not okay. not not cool. a not a bad dude just a 
a little clueless in that particular regard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My philosophy is always like, I would rather ask a stupid question to, to fix my ignorance than be quiet or make a statement that is wrong. Like, like if I, if I, if there's something that is potentially offensive to women of color and I didn't know that I am more than willing to be like, I don't know. Can you please educate me? Because I feel like that's where I think men need to come at it. You know, admitting, I don't know. Please educate That's me. all you have to do. It's it, it's it's the arrogance and like this sort of like, yeah, it's the arrogance that I think bumps me. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's not admitting fault. It's feeling threatened that you're being corrected. Right. When people are just trying to help you grow. Yeah. That's that's where we get into like icky territory. But anyone who is big enough to be like, I fucked up. You you want to work with that person. Yeah. The person who that goes not just in writers rooms. That's just in general, like just like in, in like people I've worked with, like agents or managers. When they admit that they fucked up, I'm like, oh, you're golden mm-hmm. because that takes a lot. You're literally being paid to not fuck up. Yeah. And the fact that you just admitted to me, like, ah, oh, that was a mess up. That means that you work really, really hard. And like that is like uncomfortable for you because that's not common for you. Yeah. Like you're not someone who messes up a lot. So I you mean, can admit when it happens. Yeah. It's self-awareness and it's wanting to grow and wa- and kind of having that growth mindset of wanting to get feedback and internalize it and get better. Yeah. And feedback, oh man, feedback is so hard. I, so for hard. the longest time, was like I would rather – have like a friend or like someone I work with who hated me and never told me. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Then like be told that I like did something wrong. Like right. I, I don't know where that comes from. I need to like get into the psychological trauma that has gotten me to this like I mean, fear it's, of it's, conflict. It's I'm, I'm deep seated fear. When it's someone, hard. When why why would anyone want to know what they, people but don't like about them? People it's, are so good about like if I did anything wrong. Like I have this friend who. She's so like she'll tell you exactly how she feels about you, and if she wants you to tell her right. how you're feeling about her, yeah. and I'm like scared of her a little yeah. bit, <laughs> slash insanely impressed and yeah. in awe mm. because I'm like, oh, that's like I always I'm just I I'm that's one thing I'm really trying to get better about, especially like in professional situations, is walking that line of like being assertive and being a boss, but also like wanting people to feel comfortable and like. And give you feedback and as yeah, well. And yeah, not feel like they have to like walk on eggshells around me. Like that would be terrible. I used right. to be like that, like crazy. And then I have this friend that I can be super honest with. And so I like, f- she came up to me. She's like, I'd like to work with you on this project. And I was like, nope, I will never work with you because that doesn't set, sit well with me. I don't think we would be wow. good partners. And I just said, I wasn't like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's think about it. And then just like have this open-ended, like, are we going to do something right. together? Are we not? I just said, I don't think I could ever work with you. I love you as a friend. Don't think we can work together. That's amazing. And I just cut it off right then and there. And it feels fucking good. It feels so good. It feels yeah. good when you do that. You need so to be good. honest. Because then you'll just yeah. ruminate on it and you'll think, you'll be like, fuck, I need to now approach her. Now I need to, like, just. Now I need to make up an excuse as to why I don't want to work on right, that project. Right. I was just like, I'm not working with you. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm trying killer. to get better about that. I think I have gotten a little bit better. Like, um, yeah, I just caught myself in a couple of moments, like in one of the last jobs I had where I was like, oh, good for you. Look at you, like sticking your neck out and not worrying so much about like who you offended or who you might have possibly put out, quote unquote, with your 
ideas or right. you know i'm just right. in this place where i'm like trying to be more comfortable taking up space as they say yeah. like stop feeling like you're like by you breathing you're taking breath away from someone else that's just like not a good healthy narrative to have and i'm no. sure a lot of that has to do with you know just being a woman yeah. <laughs> and uh always feeling apologetic for everything but i'm really trying to get to this place where it's like you didn't do anything wrong stop feeling apologetic stop yeah. apologizing yeah that's a huge that's an epidemic for sure it the, is such an epidemic experience and we sure. hear it all the time like but it really happens all the, i am always every email i write i start with like just the word just mm. like hey just checking in and then someone was like stop saying just it just you're checking in you're checking in there's that's no a great point that's it. stop with the justs and also, it's okay. It just it, you can you can be in charge. You're allowed to be in charge. Mm. And also, people respect you for being in charge yeah. because it makes them feel more stable around you. Totally, when they know your boundaries and they know that you know you're serious and you can't push them around. Like it really does help other people to sort of be like, "This is how I need to be treated." Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really good. Yeah. But knowing your boundaries that is so. so key. I mean, huge. first first you have to find your personal boundaries, what you yourself put boundaries on around yourself. And then you need to find <sighs> your yes. relationship boundaries and your friendship boundaries and your work boundaries. And if you don't find all that, you get completely out of whack and uncentered and burnt out and like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's a really hard learning process, but it's so imperative. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about crashing. Ooh. So you were first a writer on crashing. Yeah. I'm, I still am a writer. Okay, okay. Yeah. I wrote on it all three seasons and then acted on it season two and season three. Unreal. How's Pete Holmes? I um, fucking love him. You guys so dated great. though, right? We a did a ago. long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. His Isn't laugh. That? I think his laugh is louder than mine, it which is I, which is very hard. Laugh. To I have by. a really loud laugh too. By yeah. the way, I think okay. I lo- I'm just drawn to loud laughers. I, I do. I love it. Laughers. Oh my god. Yeah, I, am, I just love it. I just cackle. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Also, I realized that I think my laugh got louder over the years because I would be in the back of, and this might be true with Pete too. I've never talked to him about it, but you'll be in the back of a comedy show, like not like a not like a professional show at like the Improv or something, right. but like just at a bar, like okay. one of those sort of like. that was Pete and I both like in New York that was all of our shows were in bars they Mm. were rarely at comedy clubs and so many people would be like elitist in the crowd where they kind of just like weren't into it but Mm. you would see someone on stage who was so funny and you're like damn it I wish they knew how good they were doing because no one in here is like giving them the proper feedback they deserve. So I would make a point to laugh really loud to compensate for the people who weren't laughing for them. And I think Pete might do that too. And you just developed it. Where you kind of just start to be like, ha ha. Like (laughs) you just want them to know that somebody thinks they're funny and it's like your peer who thinks you're funny. Right, right, right. all these whatever Brooklyn whatevers. Right. Yeah. I I love Brooklyn. No offense to Brooklyn. I always feel so bad when when performers go to the comedy store because it's just like such the audience is such trash like oh, it's yeah. just like no hollywood boulevard oh, tourists yeah. and yeah. sunset strip yeah like oh sorry sorry yeah. sunset oh, strip. Yeah. like yeah. so t- just like oh the tech that's why i love the improv because it's melrose it just feels a little more it is so much more calm yeah. and late and just like 
fun. It just feels more fun. I love the improv. Oh, me too. I, I love, love it. it. I love Can it. Can I tell my open mic um, experience? Oh my god! What? I didn't know you had one. Oh, I know. This <laughs> is tell okay. Me. So oh, um, I write poetry. Okay. And I write really dark poetry, like fucked up, sh- like Quentin Tarantino shit. Love it. It scares me sometimes. Um, <laughs> and so I told my mom I wanted to go to an open mic. So we looked up one on the internet, and we found one at this like. Rastafarian cafe. I probably have performed stand up there. I, that sounds familiar, right? honestly. Okay, yeah. so we get there, and the time online was two hours earlier. So we we didn't. It's L.A. You don't just like drive across L.A. and go back and come back. You know what I mean? We right. were far away from the house, and my mom's like, "Okay, we'll just sit and have dinner, and we'll wait for it to start." And so while we're waiting for it to start, we don't see that the sign up sheet goes on. So I didn't get to, I didn't get to it until I was like I was number six, right? And I'm like, well, fuck, we've been here forever, and now I'm number six. So we're sitting there, and the first guy goes up, and he's a comedian, and he's telling these jokes and whatever. And then the second one goes up, and he's a comedian, and he's telling his jokes. And then the third one goes up, and he's a comedian, and he's telling jokes. And I look at my mom. I'm like, Mom, it's comedy day. And she goes, I don't give a fuck. <gasps> you are going up there and reciting your goddamn oh my poetry. God, mom. So I got up there in front of all of these comedians, and I said... <laughs> Just letting you know, I'm not a comedian, but I am here to read you some dark poetry. And I recited my poem. <laughs> and it was the most... How did it go? Um, it was actually received quite well. Okay. I must I must say, people really enjoyed it and thought I was good. So that was encouraging. Um, I but never again. Like, never again will I do that. I, I also <laughs> love, like, your mom, like... <laughs> being like no like it's a chore like you get up there and you read your poetry oh yeah because we had we had like been you there clean for your room we've been there for four hours at that point like she's like i'm fucking invested yeah like, i get it you gotta yes. go i up. get it oh trust me there have been so many times where i've wanted to leave an open mic and then i'm like no i've been here for hours i am gonna do my time and then i'm gonna leave how do you deal with the nerves does that ever get to you <sighs> yeah the thing is it's interesting because like when I when I was starting out in New York, um, I went to so many open mics. Like I would go, so even when I had a day job, I would leave work and just go straight to an open mic because they usually start before clubs open, so they're always like around like five or six um, in the evening. And uh, and I got used to going to so many that you almost build up a tolerance to bombing, and it actually I think started to work against me because. I was almost too fearless to the point where I would not do well on like a regular show, like a, not an open mic, but like a show that sort of mattered. And I would just be like, "Mm, it was like a B minus. That's fine. Like I just kind of got used to sucking. And so now I'm in this place where I actually think there's a benefit. You want to like get your reps in and you want to be performing a lot because it's fun and because you care about it and you're like working on new material. Like those are all the right reasons. But when you're just going up over and over and over again at open mics and not taking a step back, not like list, a lot of times you record your set and like listen to it back. I, I would get to a point where I would record my sets. I would not even listen to them back because I was already on to the next open mic. And then I just wasn't growing. I was like, oh, I'm just kind of like in this place where I'm super experienced, but not in a way that's constructive. I'm just kind of going through the motions without like taking a beat to really work on the craft as icky as it is mm-hmm. to call comedy the craft. So um, when did that change? So or then I think I've gotten, well now that I live in Los Angeles, I don't do open mics anymore, but I do shows and I'll do a couple of shows a week 
usually uh this week i think i have like three or four um and i just try to work on stuff leading up to that show so i take these breaks to then like hopefully like do all the things i was talking about like look at my jokes try to find some new material throw in at least like a new line or a tag or something that makes it like fun and more in the moment got it so i don't feel bored about the difference between the new york and la comedy scenes yeah ooh, that's a good one yeah um yeah the main thing i'm sort of it's hard i don't even really have the language for it i think the biggest thing is in new york people become a professional comedian where they're making their money by doing a bunch of spots every night occasionally they'll do like late night they definitely do like a special or a half hour or an hour um and stand-up really is like the thing it's the be all end all anything outside of it is kind of just like extra it's like cool you know stand-up led to an acting role or this but really stand-up is it for me um that is sort of the mentality I feel when I'm in New York and something I really love about New York, like whenever I want to really focus on stand up, I just want to go to New York for a month and like work really hard. Also, there is more stage time there. And um, I don't even know if there's more. Yeah, there is. There's more stage time there. But also the way you can access different spots around the city is just easier because you have public transportation or like or they're all they'll all be like in one area. It'll be like the comedy cellar and the like village underground, like they're all kind of near each other. So you can sort of bounce around to these spots just logistically way with way more ease than you would in LA where it's like you have to drive across town and you know right like I only do one spot a night normally here occasionally I'll do like the store and the improv and they're only like five minutes away from each other but even that stresses me out like having to get my car from the lot find a new parking spot at the improv like oh it's just like it's a nightmare yeah so i guess logistics would be my number one sort of reason for new york do you find that people in la then become kind of focused on the acting and kind of branching out that way a little more in a way you know in a way la represents like a, a real like career maturity in that in la you're like applauded and embraced for having diversified interests within the umbrella of comedy whereas when I was starting out in New York I felt like if you admit you want to act and I don't know if it's like this still but back when I started I felt like if you admit that you want to act or you want to like write on a tv show it was kind of like it was a little like all right but you're like diluting the original product right whereas out here they're like you're not diluting anything it's all comedy you just want to do comedy you want to do all the types of comedy so yeah there's definitely more of like a purist mentality in new york but again i don't think that exists as much now i think that was just the time when i started which was almost 10 years ago that is so interesting okay so you started at open mics did you ever reach a point where you were like i can turn this into a career Uh, I think I had that kind of early on only because my parents both had pretty like alternative career paths in a way. Like they both like dropped out of college and then they were (laughs) photographers for ZZ Top 
And then oh after gosh. that, they started a concert promoting business together. Um, so my whole life, I was like, you can do anything. Like, That's so but not cool. But not in a, like, I don't know, not in even, like, um, a conscious way. Mm. I was just kind of like, yeah, like, I don't know, I feel like pursuing the arts. And my parents were always like, yeah, sure, you're good at it. Why wouldn't you? Like, it was just very, awesome. like, I don't know. They definitely had some pushback when I first quit my job at Comedy Central because they were like, they were having some financial issues and they were just like, we literally can't support you if right. anything were to go wrong. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm willing to take that risk. And then it oh, thankfully started working out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They were always just kind of encouraging. So, yeah, that's amazing. We both have really encouraging. That's parents so as wonderful. Well. Yeah. yeah. I think it makes such a difference. It and just like the security, this, the, just the comfort in diving into something that you're so passionate about. You're, you don't have any of those hesitations because you have that support system. Yeah. It's and really not like huge. Not like fiscally support, but just mentally support, yeah. like emotional support. Yeah. And not making your you passion. feel crazy. Exactly. Yeah. My, yeah. Like my husband, he grew up, um, in a part of long Island where he, he always talks about how like practical professions were like really pushed upon him, like kind yeah. of by everybody in his community. It was like doctor, lawyer, accountant, like you have to have a certified degree. And then later on he started, he also does comedy and he had to really like kind of, get his parents on board for that and now they're the mo- i mean they've always been supportive of him but now they really are like championing his totally. comedy but it took a minute because he was like kind of the only one doing that mm. um, also it must be scary for a parent to like know that you've raised them to know that you've raised them to live in a very secure environment where they don't get hurt or they don't fall or they have a good experience and to know that they're going into the big world into a profession that might not be as stable or assuring as a doctor or a lawyer or, or something that they're not um they're not they're not familiar with yeah right. that's scary that's, like, I that's think very the biggest scary. part is like yeah if if being a comedian was like a thing that a lot of people were doing you'd kind of be like oh all right i mean that's a path yeah. you know it might not be my path that i would choose for you but it is a path yeah but i think because it just sounds so like whimsical and pipe dreamy people are just like what the fuck is wrong with you but there's actually a lot of longevity in it yeah for sure which is kind of crazy yeah I, I used to not feel that way but now I'm like no there is you can do this for I mean even if it was just like a comedy writer I mean they work forever Ever. like forever. truly all the rooms right now are like with a lot of like much more senior writers that's awesome yeah, yeah. Mad's boyfriend he's jumping into the writer he's in or he's an assistant what is he um a Writer's assistant. He's a oh, writer's cool. assistant right now. Yeah. For what show? It's a, it's going to be a new show on Netflix Ooh. called Cowboy Bebop. Ooh. It's a, oh yeah. wait, wasn't that on? It's an anime series right. that they're. It was on Adult Swim or something for a while. I believe so. I think so. I yeah. Like oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so we so got a writer in the fam. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> he's try. He yeah. It's his like passion. Yeah, it's he's writer's so passionate. A big get. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I want to talk about it just seems that there has been this boom in comedy and stand up interest, it seems. Sure. Like kind of bleeding into industries outside of yeah. comedy. Um and I I guess that's largely thanks to Netflix and I was and gonna say Netflix sh- yeah. really so pushed it forward. Access it so easily. Exactly. Yeah. Have you found that that has made the landscape a bit 
more competitive mm. or what have you seen that are, are like people like I need a Netflix special in order to be validated or what does that mean for the community? Um, that's a great question. I don't, I don't really know. I, I guess I could speak for myself in that. Like I'm kind of in this place where because there's, it's like Netflix is definitely it right now. It feels like, but also you keep hearing these sort of rumblings of like, yeah, but like coming up soon, like these billionaires invested in, quibby or whatever oh Oh, we know know yeah and like you just keep hearing about all these new platforms where it's like oh yeah you know how like verizon just used to be for cell phones well now verizon's competing with netflix and you're just like they're gonna have their own platform you're just like i think because there is so there are so many new things happening that we don't even know yet because it hasn't made it into the trades for us to read about I think everyone kind of should just like relax and just focus on what they really want to be doing. Cause really at the end of the day, it's just more opportunity. Yeah. And I think that it scares people because like we kind of want to cling to like, but you have to have this to feel happy. And the truth is, yeah, sure. If that's a goal of yours, a thousand percent pursue it, make it happen. But it is not, nothing is the be all end all anymore. And like, that is both comforting and terrifying. Yeah. So I think everyone's kind of like adjusting almost like in an existential way. We're all like, oh, my God, like nothing means anything, <laughs> which is going to be scary so, and yeah, horrifying. Scary. I think there's just going to be so many more avenues to yes. pursue. Yes. And also what I think it also makes you really ask yourself, like, what do you care about? Like, what do you really if you could do anything, what would you put all of your effort into? And I think that people are starting to carve out their career paths in this really specific way to them, which is why, like, when I was talking about New York and how, like, when I started there, it was almost like a threat. Like, it felt like the comedy community almost seemed like they were threatened when you said you wanted to do anything other than stand up. Now we've moved into this place where we're like, come on, like, there's so much opportunity. You can choose your own adventure. Not, awesome. And by the way, stand-up still is a huge part of my life, and it is my anchor. Like, I always come back to it. It feels really important. It's, like, kind of the only thing you can ever control, truly. Like, I can always control what I'm saying on stage, and, like, I can, you know, in a healthy way, manipulate an audience mm-hmm. um, yeah. to feel, like, connected to me. And, like, you know, there's there's real, like, connective tissue in the art of stand-up that I don't think you necessarily get in any other platform and that's kind of a nice comfort is like oh that'll never change that'll always be a constant totally yeah who are you some of your heroes right now or some of your like like people you're just like so excited for them to blow up or they're up on up and up love that um people who i i mean jacqueline novak is not only my like dear friend um but she's also i would i would say a part a comedy partner to a degree we don't have like an official writing partnership but we work on things together and brainstorm things and i just saw her one woman show and it was fucking amazing and i'm just like in awe of her brain and i always have been Mm -hmm. so she's someone i think is just really special in every way um and then yeah i mean this is a person who already is very much blown up, but like Amy Schumer really does continue to inspire me, especially when we're talking about like asserting yourself and taking up space and not apologizing and all these things. I, I really see her doing that consistently yeah. and it's, in a way where you're just like, Oh, that's just like, that yeah. is 
she's brave she is brave she's like, amazing yeah she's brave and like she i feel like she's someone who would make fun of the term brave <laughs> but that makes me like her even more yeah i also commend her you know she worked in comedy for whatever 10 years before yeah. you know and that's kind of what is like kind of scary about about the field sure. and, and as you said it has longevity Tiffany but Haddish it's like too same thing she, Tiffany Haddish was working yes, forever forever I remember when she did a live at Gotham for Comedy Central was years ago oh, yeah yeah but it's also comforting because then you're like oh it is a longer path and it's yeah. okay like yeah. it's, you're kind of applauded for taking your time Absolutely. I think that's super important to talk about because people think that Amy Schumacher Schumacher, Schumacher. sorry Amy Schumer, Schumer just became famous overnight and that was her path Hardly. you know people no, yeah. people should know that this stuff takes a really long it takes time. a long time yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's nice it's always like a it's always comforting to me because i'm always like oh like it you know are things moving at a pace they should be moving and i'm like no they are like it's, it's uh okay. yeah they are girl you i was watching <laughs> you on cordon and crashing you're yeah there are for you also Don't my worry. motto is trust the timing of your life Ooh, i love that you know like wow. just trust Ooh. the I need, timing i need to remind myself that life. that is a great and also like yeah. if you look at um our mom our mom was a housewife for 20 years and now she is the ceo of a startup tech app That's that amazing. is gonna blow up she completely reinvented herself at the age of 45 That's incredible. like we have so much time yeah. so and much we time forget to... that you know what i mean like we think that we need to be at the destination today or tomorrow or yesterday when really we have so much, I mean, we don't have a lot of time, but at the same time, we have so much no, time. We there. do. We do. That's really wonderful. I yeah. really love, I love hearing that. And I love that that's reiterated. Also there, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're in this place where we're finally like feminism is sort of, <laughs> it's, we've gotten like a second, a second wave where mm-hmm. it's like, that's very much in the culture and the conversation. But I really want to get to that place with ageism too, because I'm just like, yes, it's so dumb, and it's yes. so it's so beneath all of us as human beings, and especially in a profession like comedy or like really the arts in general, there is so much experience that makes you a better artist, totally, and and makes you uh, like have authority in a way that's really important. And I just I feel like it's I don't know. I'm happy that even so cheesy but like even like with the oscars you're like oh i like that like the best supporting actress went to like olivia coleman who's like not no, best 19. actress oh yeah best actress yeah. sorry yeah best actress I, that whole cast felt i couldn't the the, the lines were blurred of her like who's the star they yeah. were all the stars <laughs> um and they were incredible but i i just am like happy or like ann dowd who's like right, she wrote right. uh, that i think she wrote an article about how like this is like her career moment and it's like I just like that it's happening later and you don't think about it like, oh, good for her. Yeah. You're like, yeah, she's fucking and out. Yeah. She's like she brilliant. Yeah. 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 There's that whole comedy. I think it was in Amy Schumer's show where she sits down with a bunch of comics, uh, like really well-known female comics. And they're like, oh, just letting you know, once you turn this age, you're not fuckable oh, yeah, anymore like on Faye. TV. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And they're like, so once you hit the age 40, you're not fuckable anymore on television. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh my God. I know, it's so ridiculous. Whereas like so... men go off to be like 80 and they're still fuckable on right. television. Right. They're like, he looks fucking hot for 80. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He's only 80? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, we have to talk about your book oh, ridiculous yes. also just like that's unreal that you wrote a book oh thanks friend so yeah what compelled you to write a book and then why weddings in particular 
Um, that's it. Yeah. So Jacqueline Novak and I, we, um, Jacqueline had written a book, um, called how to weep in public, which was like a funny book about depression, um, which was, yeah, really, she's just incredible. But, um, so yeah, I remember I was like talking to her at like a Christmas party years and years ago. And I was like, I really want to write a book, but I can't seem to figure out like what I want to write. And then we were kind of batting ideas back and forth being like, maybe we'll work on something together. And finally, when I got engaged, I started posting all these like photos of things and like just being really like excited and also funny on my Instagram about wedding stuff. And she texted me something to the degree of like, that's the book. She like screenshotted something from my Instagram and sent it to me. It was like, that's the book. And I immediately knew what she meant. I was like, oh, there are no funny wedding books. I have to be the person to like corner this market I have to do it I have to like fill that hole on the bookshelf because every wedding book was like just so serious and you know just about like how to plan the perfect wedding and everything was like perfection perfection and the underlying sentiment is just like failure you're gonna be a failure if you don't do this right and I was just like that's insane like weddings are optional planning a wedding is optional it should be treated as such like this is a fun volunteer project like we should all just be like treating it like it deserves to be treated, but also yeah. placing the importance on like the relationship. And I just don't like how in sort of modern American wedding culture, like the wedding is uh, funnily enough divorced from the marriage. Yeah. It's like totally. they're so intertwined yet. We do a really great job of like separating, separating. them. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to write a book that was kind of like a truly like the first like funny feminist wedding book. And now we're turning it into a TV show, which I'm Woo! really excited oh, about. Oh my God. That's Can't really awesome. say too much about it, but I'm very oh, excited. Oh, that's yeah. so exciting. It's so true. That, I mean, I don't know. I, you could talk to Scout. She planned a wedding, but I just, I hear about the, just the, the stress yeah. and the the terror that comes with like my, yours was fine but I but was, it was because it, it was spread out for you but like I hear horror stories of people it's just like it's such a, a it's like a chore to fucking create yeah. this wedding and I then you do it and it's fine every but, fucking second of it it was the most exciting time in my life I miss it every day oh, I loved planning this wedding that's amazing it was unbelievable and I made sure that it was truly representative of who Adam and I are as individuals individuals and as a couple um i mean i planned most of it but it wasn't like the wedding was me it was it was us it was very us that's like special that's special that's you're an anomaly Uh, yeah i was gonna say that's definitely the minority and i also love hearing that crazy restores my faith but there were i definitely i was not i thought i was gonna be in that camp where it was gonna be really easy and then it ended up being really hard and just like i just didn't expect it i just thought i would people don't talk about it People don't talk about it. There's also a lot of shame. So I think a lot of people are going through a stressful time, but then they like don't want to admit it because it's supposed to be this beautiful. And everyone's being like, oh, best time of your life. Right. And you're like, yeah, it should be the best time of my life. Like what you're saying, that is what is expected. And then for some people it's not. And like, I just wanted to make, I just want people to feel less alone and also just talk about their experience, whether it's, it was great. It went off without a hitch or 
well, to be honest, like it was kind of fucking miserable Mm. and I'm glad it's over or I wish I could redo it. Or I just feel like there's a lot of shame around weddings and I want people to like be more honest about what it could look like. I love that. I'm so excited for the television. Thank you. That is so exciting. So you you are married to a comedian. Yeah. Which is crazy. What is that like? What is that like? It is, um, it's pretty normal. I mean, I think the best part is that we just have like such a shorthand and we really do find the same things funny. So it's n- it's nice. There's not you never have to really explain yourself too much. We're right. really like we understand. You guys have the same lifestyles. Same lifestyle, yeah. and also he, um, yeah, I, I, he's very yeah. Sometimes I have to travel a lot for work, and like he's just very understanding of like, well, that's just like what you do. Like I get it, right. and we've always sort of yeah. I feel like we've always had like a pretty inherent understanding. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so special. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay, this was. Lee. Unbelievable. Guys, I had the best time. You were so much for coming on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's so cool. We had Heather McMahon. I know, but like, like stand up and that whole realm. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, happy to, happy to be that icebreaker for you guys. Yeah, you're amazing. Okay, let everyone know where they can find you. Okay, you can find me um, on Instagram. It's at really Jamie Lee and that's J-A-M-I-E-L-E-E. And then on Twitter at the Jamie Lee. Wonderful. And you can find us at OKSIS Podcast. Thank you, sisters. Bye, sisters. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life tune in every thursday to i'm not your shrink wherever you listen to podcasts while i'm not your shrink i am still human and i'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together 